Okay, good evening, good morning, afternoon, whatever applies to you. Uh, welcome back to another EuroLeague, where today, as always, I am your host. Uh, I mean, at some point, I am actually going to get a co-host. You might have seen my post on Twitter when I've talked about it a bit. But the reason it hasn't happened yet, it's just not really a decision I want to take lightly or rush into. Like, I have spoken to some people and some things conflict or whatever, but it doesn't it doesn't feel quite right yet so yeah that will happen at some point but it's not happening yet i want to sort of develop and grow the show over a long time so i want to make sure it's the right person basically as of today though i am happy to say that i am joined by two lovely guests first of all the weak side king the blonde bombshell now i guess and uh resident zach enjoyer odawamne uh fun fact by the way as sort of funny as your stat line was in like week one and the general perception as well that, you know, you're a, a tank weak side player. You're actually almost doing the most percentage damage in the whole league. I think you're second, but you're like just a little bit behind whoever's first place. I'm not actually sure who's first place. I don't research that much. But yeah, fun fact for you all. The weak side player is carrying, I guess. Um, I am also joined by a man shrouded in mystery just by virtue of he never has a bloody webcam, does he? So, yeah, that is uh, Kira. Not to be confused, by the way, with the jungler, perpetual choker, Kira, who's probably underground somewhere, still shaking from his last stage uh, PTSD. Um, but, yeah, Kira, resident league enjoyer, and more importantly, someone who just knows more about specific in-game shit than I do. So, worth having around, I'd say. Uh, anyway, before we jump into it, as always, I want to ask you guys a very important would you rather question because these are the things that really give me motivation to do these shows and I wouldn't do it if I couldn't get your answers. So today's would you rather, and I think this is quite an interesting one, is would you rather as a player win four world titles, okay, but with the the fan perception being that like yeah, you're fine, like, you're a good player, but maybe you got a bit carried, like, you're a bit of a role player, right? So, like, sort of anyone could have done your job. Like, you're playing top, right? And they just think, ah, I mean, mid and AD were kind of hard carrying. Sure, he won four world titles, but you're not, like, an all-time great. Or would you rather win one world title, but you're, like, the uber hyper carry, and it goes down as, like, holy shit, I cannot believe that guy just mega carried and beat career in China, like, single-handedly. So what would you rather? Four world titles, but a role player... Or one, and you're like monster giga chad. Give it to me, Otto. What, what are you taking? Oh man, uh, I mean it. It's hard. I think. Honestly, I don't know. By the because... way, before you answer, think of the prize money as well. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, not like if you would go international, you would win more prize money just by being like 16th or something. <laughs> but uh i know it's hard because in, in, in a way in a way i don't know I, I i guess winning worlds once and mega carrying because right right now i feel like i'm i'm, I'm kind of in the second category where okay yeah sure i didn't win worlds four times but i mean <laughs> i went finals twice and maybe i'm gonna go finals another two, two times and uh, I feel like there's there's like that uh, how to say there's like some some narrative popping up every once uh, every once and again that until now it was like this guy is always a choker he doesn't make finals 
And now the final, the, the narrative is that this guy makes finals and now chokes in the finals. So I feel like if you win Worlds four times, there's a chance that you're still with that stigma that, oh, you choked four finals, but you still won them. Uh, so I don't know. Bask in eternal glory, I guess, and just carry it super hard in one of them. Even though, uh, even though realistically, winning four title, four worlds, and not being a superstar is ninety percent of the time the better choice. Nah. But for me, I feel like the fir the, the the first scenario would kind of uh, would kind of apply given what's uh, what's going on. I, I I dig it. And and what about you, Kira? I know it's hard for plebs like us to imagine such lofty glory. But what what would you take hypothetically? Oh, it's so easy, because I'm not a player. Like, I would instantly be just taking the four worlds just so I can say I've got more than Faker and just fucking run with that for the rest of life. That's true, true, actually. It's more, than, it's more than any other player, so every pleb can say to me that they want, I'm like, well, more than Faker, how many of you got dipshit? <laughs> Suck my nuts. Uh, but I think if you're a player, you should actually take just the one, because, like, as a player, you should be striving for greatness, and, you, and like, you should be looking to be, like, a great player for your own. Like, look at Crown. He won his one, but he won it out of sync with his greatness, and the guy's just living in eternal depression. So ask him how great that one felt. Everyone just basically says he's on miles of hard, yeah. But she feels great about his one world's title. Uh, living the life, living the dream, went to NA next year, done nothing. That, that's her actually i forgot that the three is actually the most right so it would only yeah. be you and well theoretically not even all your teammates because maybe you had different teammates on each run so yeah no, i'd be jumping about to make sure none of them could follow me to greatness i'd make sure i'm the only one i'm for fuck them yeah i get i get i guess a good example of someone like bengi right i mean bengi does sometimes get talked about by some people and honestly gets overrated <laughs> by some people because of what he won but at the same time like no one's really going to be talking about bengi in like 10 years about like oh my god bengi he was just sort of a peripheral i think with odd I'd, I'd go if i was a player i'd definitely go for the uber hard carry and just go down as like an absolute legend who dragged four useless limp bodies over the finish line on my own especially from top like who the fuck's gonna do that from top that would be insane i guess so yeah uh, I guess so. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Anyway, cool. So let's get right into it. Obviously, because I do have the lovely Oduwamne here, we do have to start with Rogue. For anyone who was uh, living under a rock, they had a pretty rocky start, it has to be said. I first I want to sort of talk broad strokes here and then like get into some specifics. But obviously, as I said, you guys had a very dodgy week one. Uh, arguably, you should have been at 0-3, to be honest. But obviously, you managed to scrape away with a 1-2 and two record. Now you guys are, of course, joint first and lipping you know, looking more like typical hashtag regular season rogue. Uh, I guess my first question for you all is like, how how were you feeling after that first week? And like, did you think you guys would turn it around? Or were you thinking like, holy shit, this is a bit doomed? Um, I mean, I knew that going to first week is not going to be, it's not going to be easy, especially because it's like, how to say, Strength of Schedule was also in a way against us because we had Fnatic, G2, and then Mad as well. And I mean, obviously no one knew how, how good Mad was going to be or if they're going to be good at all. But I kind of had a vibe that they were going to be, you know, a lot, a lot better than uh, than than last split because I know what someone like Niski brings to the team. So I knew that our week one is going to be pretty dodgy, you know, that regardless of the... Uh, you, I feel like... It, it was kind of hard to make a prediction going into it because it could be like, I don't know, anywhere from 0-T to 3-0 based on like, you know, what's the form of the team going into the the start of the season. So, um, I don't know, after, after, after the first two games, I, I guess something in a way 
some alarm bells started ringing in our head that um, whatever we've been doing, practicing and stuff up until that point wasn't really, you know, like going well. Because yeah, there's 18 game, games of the split and getting going to like full freak out mode after two games would be kind of kind of stupid given that there's like just so much more of the season left. But in a way for us, it was like, these are teams that we are competing with and our goal has been, you know, after you make finals in spring, you kind of want to make it again and you want to win this time. So even though they're hard games, um, there should be games that we need to win if you want to, you know, be up there. And I don't know, we went 0-2 and we kind of had a talk because um, things were, were really not going great for us. And the way we've been practicing was was pretty pretty suboptimal. In a way, I felt like I felt like we are still kind of stuck in in the past. I guess looking at spring as you know what we did in spring. I, I feel like the mentality within the group started being one that um, whatever happened in spring was was a given. You know, was that it's gonna happen again? If you did it once, you're gonna do it again. And in a way, we. We kind of didn't really see it as, you know, there's nine other teams or like eight other teams that didn't make finals and everyone wants to make finals. So they're going to do more. They're not going to take whatever happened in spring as a given, like in a way like we did, you know, subconsciously, because it's not like um, we are all just like, you know, lazy, you know, like, oh, it's fine. We're just going to make finals easy peasy and stuff. But I feel like subconsciously everyone to some extent kind of so whatever happened in spring as like, you know, oh, we're going to do it again and we just need to win this time. And I feel like our our practice was, uh, the quality of our practice was was pretty bad because, uh, just to put it in perspective, when when, when we came into spring as a, as a team, um, you know, on paper, you wouldn't say there's like a finals roster or like a roster that can win a title or whatever. It was more so, or at least community perception as well, was more so that this roster is gonna struggle really hard to make playoffs, you know? And given that in a way everyone kind of felt like that, well, not to the extent of the community, but you know, when you make huge downgrades from like Inspired and Hans were like alleged downgrades because yeah, when you take top one, top two in the role and you change them, no matter who you get, it's gonna still be a downgrade, at least from EU, because yeah, you are top one and top two in your role, whatever. So we went from that, and I feel like our attitude in spring was like one of like, we we really need to work hard with this roster to to make it happen because um, everyone thinks that we're just not even gonna make playoffs, you know. So everyone was like sweating super hard uh, yeah. throughout spring to to improve and get better and kind of shut everyone up. And now going to summer, I felt like there was not this. It's not that I feel like people got lazy or people got like super cocky and arrogant, but I feel like we went away from that feeling that we are we are really bad and everyone thinks that we're really bad and we need to sweat super hard to not be super bad like everyone says you know and we are more like neutral like oh yeah we're just gonna scream we're gonna get better and stuff like this you know and i feel like this overall vibe didn't really work for us uh going to like week one i felt like we in a sense need to humble down not that we're like on super high horses that we're oh yeah we're gonna make finals easy you know but i felt like this group functioned better with like that sort of like you didn't have the fire pressure. under your ass basically 
Like yeah, I, f I felt like we were not really in that position where we're like considering always ourselves to be underdogs, you know, and that we need to over overperform every single game, you know. And I felt like the group performed a lot better with like this sort of attitude. So I mean, going into game three, I feel like uh, it went a bit better against Mad um, in terms of like you know draft and gameplay wise and overall attitude wise. It was just um, I think week one was pretty bad from us from like. You know, drafting perspective, I felt like our priors were kind of all over the place and we were not really like drafting uh, good champs and our read of the meta was pretty bad. So overall the attitude for and like everything gameplay, I feel like for game three was 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 a bit better. Uh, and yeah, we still got like we were getting kind of well, I wouldn't say we we're getting stone because we we're kind of like always a bit behind in gold. It's just like we didn't really have like a lot of tools to win the game. And then we just flipped or like they flipped Elder and, and we won somehow. So we kind of stole that one, <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, yeah, stuff like this uh, happens. But yeah, after week one, at the whole uh, attitude, we're trying to bring it into like what was going on in spring. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, I personally, I still think like you guys don't quite look like yourselves. Like I think even in the sort of all the wins you've got recently, I feel like a yeah. lot of it's still like individuals popping off and not like really that you're in super control of the yeah. game like i haven't seen a single classic road game yet that i can think of where it's like you guys just all slowly win your lane accrue gold lead and then like rotate around the map and just sort of take objectives cleanly you know like i'm still kind of waiting for that but yeah so kira what i mean what have you what's your read on rogue as a team at the moment like are you seeing anything different so far in spring or from spring uh -huh. Yeah, I think their early games, like, particularly in the first season, their early games in the draft pile was, like, fucking dog shit. But, like, I think it got, like, a lot, lot, lot better. But, and not even in, like, dog shit, like, all over the place. Like, I think there's a lot of, like, things to be, like, commendable. Like, they, like, understand that GP's unbelievably broken and have, like, high priority on that, aren't afraid afraid to play it into NAR because it's a ranged hero. Like, get a grip with top laners. But, like, for example, just, like, pick, I'm not, like, just picking at one player because, you know, I think picking out like junglers and because you you don't hear the comms of the teams that can off and you don't yeah. hear who's talking to who it could be unfair but like the lanes that like Mal, apart from the xl game where i actually think malrong assessed the early game and went to the cred lane and covered the cred lane like almost all the time which is weird because and it's xl actually usually have the best early game i actually think malrong's assessment of where it has to be on the map a lot of the times it was really really like off for like just a quick example i think the only way fanatic had in the Fnatic game, for example, where Rogue actually had like a somewhat of an early lead. The only way they were going to get back into the game was through uh, upset on, on Heli on Draven just running the jewels with the Black Shield and being able to be immune to um, Renata. And instead of like covering a ball, it was just like repeatedly going top into Gwen Orn, getting like turned on and losing like two v twos, and I think it was like a three v three skirmish. And so it just accelerated the game into the abyss. Well, that's just like an example, but. It got better. Like Excel, everyone's highlighting Excel as the best, one of the best early game teams, and Rogue. And it was probably Excel's worst game. Their worst early game was against Rogue, as in the own choices they made rather than things Rogue were doing to them. But like Rogue, like assess like things like extremely like they like seen the kale like didn't push dive the kale like pushed her off of wave, froze off the minions. There's like lots of correct things like there. Yeah, oh, I mean, Otto, what do you think? Like, in terms of, obviously, uh, Maoran came in last split. His English wasn't too great, but obviously he was getting lessons. 
obviously he was really good in spring i think you know primarily because he was so willing to be aggressive even on as i always say like i think a lot of the times he was aggressive on the wrong decision but because the team all in with him it's like it's way better to fully commit to a half good idea than you know half commit to a fully good idea right so i think he prospered a lot in that way but how, how is he now like obviously hopefully his english is maybe a little bit better like do you still do you find it difficult to communicate with him or does the team in general find it hard to communicate with him or, or how how is it with Maorang now i mean it's fine his english got better um because he's still having lessons and, and stuff like this um i wouldn't really say that you know the failures of our early game are kind of like falling on him, not making like correct assessments, you know, because, for example, if he assesses that I won't die top and he goes bot and then I die top, then it's not really on him that he made the incorrect, you know, assessment or like assumption. Um, I just feel like it goes back to what you said. I feel like we're still not there in the sense we're like, you know, classic rogue from spring where we were just like winning lanes and we're just pushing slowly our lead and stuff like this. Um, what I said that was happening in week one, you know, and the stuff, the stuff that we're like trying to to fix going forward is still kind of like an ongoing process. I still feel like you know there's um somehow we ended up on like in first place, you know, uh, but the mentality in the group is that um I wouldn't, I mean, circumstances kind of made us uh, get into first place here, you know, and it's not something that is kind of super deserved. Because in a way you can say, yeah, if you're first, then you deserve to be first because you just won and blah, blah. But I feel like for in terms of like replicability, there is a lot of stuff that we need to to work on. And, um, you know, I'm not looking at our performances right now and be like, this is what we want, you know. Even though we won these many games, we're really unhappy with most of our wins, uh, with how they're going and stuff. And, uh, yeah, now that there's a break, we need to see when we come back if we can implement some fixes because like yeah i mean there's a lot of time until playoffs and stuff but we cannot uh really wait until then but yeah i mean the end that we see you know i wouldn't really say that it's it's marang or that he can't control the game well in a way it's also that because there's like ever since the durability changes um the stuff that he was doing in in spring doesn't really work in summer anymore because of durability changes and the game is a lot more about you know dragon stacking and stuff like this and maybe, I don't know, one might say it plays into his weakness and this is not his, like something that's like he's super comfortable uh, about, you know. But uh, we need to see, like, there's a lot of stuff that we need to do. And yeah, as I said, all the ints that you see is kind of like group end. I wouldn't really put it on Marang. I think this this split so far, everyone took turns to, to int games, you know, or uh, even into drafts. Yeah, oh, fair enough. I mean, and obviously... Um... You sort of mentioned it a, a bit there, but the metas like shifted pretty heavily, and um, obviously an interesting or like as you were saying, like in the week one, I think people were particularly critical of the drafts. Um, and like, what did you guys realize in week one? Was like, okay, this is this is just we're just prioritizing wrong here. Like, what specifically? And again, I don't want you to like reveal top picks that you guys have now or whatever, but specifically in week one, like, what did you feel? was was uh like just just wrong priority or just completely wrong in general like what was your bad read i don't know at some point you're like i mean i even memed it on twitter that my friendship with orn ends um i feel like we we were like at the point where i'm like 
Yeah, I can just pick on. I will get out skilled at some point, but then we're spiking in the game at like the point that we feel like we needed to spike. And yeah, this was kind of like a scrim thing when you're like, yeah, I mean, Owen versus Gwen, for example, you're probably better champ than her from like 15 to 20, 25 minutes because uh, she's not on like two items yet or on, or on like three items where she completely takes over. And then we go on stage and the games are super slow and they go to like so super late. And it was always, I felt like it was always reaching the point where the tanks are actually getting super outskilled. That's why there's like GP and Gwen's running around as like, you know, priority picks right now and, you know, sometimes Nars and stuff like this. Uh, because I felt like the game, if you're winning the game with like the side that has like, you know, GP and Gwen and stuff like this, you can always just extend the game as much as you want uh, until the you get to a point where you're completely winning side lane. And I felt like the own comps, for example, were on a timer where you really need to play everyone. Mid and bot need to play perfectly because... Um, yeah, if you play it perfectly, then at the point where you're spiking, it's probably a soul timer and you can win that fight because you have a big tank. Uh, but then I realized that, or like we realized that it doesn't really go like this because if you just get delayed a bit, then you will start becoming actually a liability. And also, I felt like it was kind of like a personal thing where I felt like if I'm playing stuff like Orn, uh, it's kind of out of my hands. The game is out of my hands where... If I'm playing, you know, like, really good or, like, I have a really great game, then I'm at best even with, like, you know, my lane opponent. When I don't... I, I felt like it wasn't really, like, the handicap that we we needed, you know? Because in a, in a way, we were like, yeah, it's durability changes, so tanks are more tanky and they're OP. And that's how it felt, you know? But then after uh, those two losses against, you know, G2 and Fnatic, I felt like, yeah, sure, we can picked this champ but i felt like our, our whole priority in draft was was a bit was a bit weird because i, I felt like it's really obvious but you know in, in in draft or in champ select you can just counter pick enemy champions and it's kind of like a recipe for success and we were like there are drafts where i think we were giving like solo lanes and stuff or like every, like three lanes counter pick you know because we were picking champions yeah, that we felt like yeah. were good for us but in reality yeah they were fine but everyone was just getting counter picks so technically you're losing because they just counter everything you know and... i think there was one specific game i can't remember you might even have been red side and you somehow got like they got three counter picks or something from blue it was like something absolutely ridiculous but yeah everyone yeah, it was it, it was it was stuff like that where i don't know we were doing stuff that we felt like in spring was good or like you know in practice was good but in reality it, it, it really wasn't you know and it's not like uh you know we are going into screens and we, you know, we are like oh um Orn is not super successful so we're not gonna pick him on stage no one was like super successful for example, and then you just lose on stage two twice with it in a row, and you're like, then you start realizing, or like you take the loss super serious, and you're like, the way we picked it, for example, that specific champion here was bad. Maybe we should pick it somewhere else. Maybe the champ is not bad, but the way you drafted around it, or the rotation you picked it in the draft was bad, and stuff like this. So, I don't know. For us, it's an ongoing process to to figure all of this uh, all of this stuff out. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I uh, I mean, uh, Kira, like, what? How do you see? the meta right now, right now like what do you think teams should be prioritizing do you see a team who like have really sort of on top of on top of what the the current priority should be or do you think everyone's kind of a bit clueless 
Well, after week one, like, Rogue's Draft, like, they identify Senna Seraphine as, like, a high-priority pickup. Like, yeah, that's amazing. Like, great idea, you know what I mean? Put her that. They've got high-priority around GP. Like, GP's broken, that's what you can ask. Like, a lot of a game, the game right now can... Because of teams' obsessions around Drake, whether you think that's, like, right or wrong or whatever, a lot of that can be predicated around, like, people's ability to, like, side lane and control vision and stuff. Like, for example, in the uh, Rogue versus AG2 game, I don't think Rogue really had very many, like, good side lane options. It was, like, Yon, Yas, and then the vision just gets smaller and smaller, and then when they go to the very last, like, Drake fight, uh, Larson gets his, like, Zonia's blown before like two of the Drake fights even happen because he's like having to face check like brushes and they're because there's like he can't see anything so it's like things like that I think teams I think a lot of teams in Europe are kind of got a little bit baited around the whole idea of like these like fast pu- uh, fast pushing bot lanes to secure like early Drakes and stuff where you see XL done it they like do it a lot of the time with Ma- uh, Mac Noon and yeah, I think it's good and it is like quite accessible, but I don't think it's like the most optimal way to play because like one, two, and three early drakes sometimes doesn't matter. Like have a look at like SK Gaming. I bet they felt great that they had four drakes and so when Rogue was blowing their base up, like yeah, like gold, golden XP still seems to be somewhat king, particularly XP because you know levels now compound even more on top of themselves with the tank and uh, the tank increases. So if you've got champions that you know they've got really really good stat gains and they gain a lot from levels um isolating farm onto these people is like a very very ultimate way to play it sounds very like basic and stuff but a lot of well from what i've seen from like europe and stuff stuff they're like predicated around bot lane which isn't actually based around that it's based around like a uh, 2v2 and not isolating xp onto like single people as much yeah are you seeing anything in like uh, the other regions that you think LEC just sort of should be picking up, but they're not like LCK or LPL or anything. Do you think there's anything those regions have sussed that LEC is just not picked up on yet? Not so much like champs. Uh, like I just think LPL is a little bit behind because they really don't prioritize Yumi as much as like the other regions do. I think LEC has like a really nice understanding of like the per- how powerful like Yumi can be and how like obnoxious that champ can, but. That could also be predicated around the fact that like LPL has like a much higher like tempo and, and under the guise of like they want to play the early game a lot more aggressive, even in spite of like the durability changes. Like they still see the game just the caveat as like how Malran Spring seems the game. But you have like five people committed to like playing like that, but then you have two teams committed to like playing like that. They've basically mm. don't actually see the durability change as like a slowdown. They're just trying to keep the game tempo at like the same pace. Yeah. That is what it is. I just think a lot of the the European teams. The only thing that like frustrates me to like no end is I, it's just a personal bias. But like I hate like the Narprile around like the world for that like this champ. I don't think this champ's like very very good. That's why I was when I was saying to Odo, like it's so glad to see Odo picking like GP into these Nar people and like punishing them over and over again because mm. I fucking hate that furball. <laughs> Obviously, uh... it's fucking dog shit. I'm sorry. I, I think it's terrible. I think it's such a fucking shit champ. It looks fucking terrible. It looks like the most carried bit of garbage ever. You're basically insecure top laners wanting to play a range champion and then actually have team fight presence. But if they could actually like play team fight champs properly or like lane properly, they wouldn't have these fucking problems. They're actually all just compensating for something. You must have a really, really good idea around why, like, why you should be picking Nar in a game because. 
personally, I think top is the most OP fucking role right now. There is so much shit you can play top lane. It's just like a never-ending like pool. Even when you go like really, really far down like the rabbit hole of like nonsense in League of Legends, the champions are like still good. Like how long has like Camille been like viable for? Like th things like this, like Jackson to Camille, these counter picks. BB plays like Yone. I know not everyone plays it, but and I still even think the tanks are good. Like in certain situations, like Orn and Cyan can still be like extremely like viable picks. Uh, so yeah, like I really don't know how people keep on ending up on that angle. That I just think top laners just love range matchup. <laughs> I think I've always wondered with Nar. Obviously, this is like a complete pleb perspective, right? But the thing I don't understand about Nar is the same thing I don't understand about Draven, which is there's a key mechanic which relies on like the enemy knowing exactly what you're gonna do. So for example, with Draven, it's catching axes. And I just think like in lane, how the fuck do you not just punish someone when you know the exact pixel they're gonna be on every single time? Like this has to be punished in my head. Like I'm not thinking about matchups or anything like that. Like this is not a nuanced opinion at all, but like just holistically, I think this champion has to be bad if that's like a core mechanic. And with Nar, I just think like, the enemy team can see your fucking Nar bar. Like, how do you ever get caught or die to Nar? Like, he has to manage that Nar bar. Is that not the most annoying thing ever? Like, if his ult was just point click on R, like whenever he wants to off cooldown, then yeah, sure, great. But I always found the idea that this guy has a visible bar of like, hello, this is when I can team fight. Oh, no, not yet. Can't team fight. Sorry, I'm going to go off and hit minions. Like, to me, that it just, I can't understand. Like, if people had solved League of Legends, then Nar can't be a champion that anyone uses, in my opinion. Like, I don't know, it doesn't make any sense to me. But again, I'm probably completely wrong on that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double down and die on that hill of shit opinion. Uh, but an interesting pick that did come out, obviously, last week when you guys played SK was Zach. And I think you did set... Well, first of all, I think that was your first ever competitive game on Zach, right? I looked it up on... Uh, there was Zach. So at some point, he was met on like season three, four, four, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, well, for, since you were in EU LCS slash LEC, that was your first ever Zach game. Yeah, I think. I think I think I never got it on stage ever. Yeah, and I think you said, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you said that you guys hadn't like prepped this pick at all. Like it wasn't even in your draft tree. It was just something that you'd seen in solo queue and at, at the time on stage, you're like, Man, maybe it's actually broken here. Is is that what happened, or can you explain how you guys ended up with that on stage? I mean, I don't think I ever played the scrim game of Zach in like my whole career. You know, <laughs> uh, I was just mostly just kind of playing it in in solo queue because um, I know there were times where it seemed fine like it seemed like you can't get punished because um i mean their ability changes help you obviously but you can still get punished by by certain picks for example if enemy has a, a gwen or a camille you're never ever gonna pick this champion because yeah you're just gonna be useless or like a jana for example even though there's not like a top lane champ but i know i i went into that draft and i was going for five and i saw literally everything from their comp and i was like they had what? They had, they had Orn, they had Tamkinch Senna, and they had Lee Sin. And I was like, okay, they have zero damage so far. And Silas. realistically, I'm not going to die. So I can just look for this Zek angle. Because the thing is for us, Gwen, Nar, GP was out. And I was like, what am I going to pick there? I'm gonna, I could go mega, mega scaling, which we already had with Corky and... Uh, whatever bot we had. What did we have bot? Lucian? Lucian Lush Nami? You went Lucian Nami that game. 
Yeah, we had Lucian, Nami, Corky, and I was like, I look at their comp and I'm like, if I add another kill in here, then it's it's doomed. Um, if I go Aatrox here, it's maybe fine, but Aatrox is low-key useless champion so far. Even though, yeah, you can probably make it work. So I was like, I I, I said, Freddy, I know this is really this is really awkward because we never did this, but I think Zach is really good here. And everyone was like, you know, everyone has a Zach boner because this champ, when 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 the champ fits, this champ is OP. You know, everyone loves Zach. It's just that everyone is like, yeah, you can't make this champ work because it needs a lot of time to scale. And in that game, I felt like I would get the time I need, you know. And also, we had Trundle on top of that. So their front line was not having fun. Uh, wait, did we have Trundle? We had Trundle, no? Yeah, yeah, you had Trundle. Yeah, because yeah, you had Trundle for like both like tanks and both front lines. And they just failed to absolute races. Yeah. Yeah, so we had that as well. And I was like, okay, I mean, getting some engage is nice. Um, I maybe had this year in solo queue, maybe like four games of Zach, three games of Zach in the split in solo queue. And I was like, I mean, realistically, the champ is easy, you know, uh, there's like some mechanics that you need, but it's mostly, I feel like about having the proper knowledge and being able to kind of, you know, adapt to the situation where you play this champion and you know the tools that the champion has, because navigating laning phase is the hardest, hardest thing about this champ. And getting to the point where uh, you get, you know, really annoying and oppressive. And I don't know, I felt like I could I could really do it there because I didn't feel like I was going to get punished at all. And yeah, this champion, this champion is really OP when, when you can make it happen. Do, do you think there's like other random picks than, that have like these niche opportunities where, you know, it's something that maybe would be obvious to a pro player in solo queue, like, oh, they pick this, I'm going to abuse him with X. And that there's like more times that teams could do this, but they just don't because they're scared or want to be more meta or whatever. Like for you, for example, have you ever had previous games where you wanted to bring out something like completely off meta, but then you just kind of thought like, eh, maybe I shouldn't do it? Um, I mean, I'm not sure if I had, but I'm pretty sure that there are always situations where uh, a weird champ like Darius, let's say, would probably fit in the top meta. Um, even Yone, um, who, like G2's game against us, where they had Yone top versus Orn. Um, I mean, there, like, there must be, right? For like every role. I feel like there must be yeah. so many games where it's like this random solo queue champ would just be better, <laughs> but people just don't put it in because they're like, mm, that's not on my tree list of what to pick in draft. It's, like, it's, it's also a thing of, of, of confidence, you yeah. know? Well, not only like your own personal confidence, because for example, I can, I can be like, I can come and say, uh, in the Zach situation, listen, I have a lot of confidence on Zach. I really want to play this, and I think it's really good. And in a way, if everyone from your team in that moment is like, oh no, I really think this champ is better and stuff, and it's like, no matter how much you, no matter how much confidence you have in that moment, um, it's kind of like a lose-lose situation because yeah, you could be a giga chat and just say, just pick me this, I'll only be nine, and then if it if it backfires, then it goes to shit and then or or you can just be like okay i'm gonna listen to you guys i trust you guys you're my teammates and blah blah, blah. and then you pick it and then you're losing there's always gonna be like someone could say oh you should have just picked your own champ instead you know it's like just one of those scenarios where you can't really 
you know say what's the correct decision and i feel like especially this one where you feel like you can do something and um how do you say you feel like you can do something wait i'm losing my thought yeah you feel like you can do something and then your teammates are like yeah just do this instead uh that's that's a situation that happens a lot of time i'm pretty sure um but also this situation happens when you go kind of down the rabbit hole because in that game there were a lot of top lane bans and um i don't know it, it was it was kind of like in the position where it's like so much risk versus reward where it was like mm. hey guys i'm gonna pick eight rocks for literally your only reward is like you're like oh you're gonna win lane against the orn and then maybe you're gonna be useless uh so it was like not such a big reward but then it's like hey guys i can play zach here and then when everyone thinks of zach and i was like holy shit this champ is gonna be so op later on and i feel like it was one of those situations where people have such little expectations from for example from like an atrox pick or a kill pick in that comp that they're willing to flip something else because they know that it could be so much better because obviously if i if i'm going in if i'm going into that draft and it's like i don't know it's my turn to pick and Gwen is open or GP is open and I go to my team and I say, hey guys, Zach is really good here. They're going to be like, Sh just, just shut up yeah. and, and play GP, you know? Or just, <laughs> because, yeah, just play GP. <laughs> because it's like, it's, yeah, it's meta pick. But the thing is, those meta picks, they've seen it so many times, a like Gwen and a GP popping off and they know how good these champions are. And they're just like, okay, you're going to get maybe just as much reward as a Zach pick or a bit less reward. But the risk is just so much smaller because... They've seen that situation many, many times, and they know yeah. how it will kind of like go, uh, how to like pan out, even if they're not like top laners, you know, and they don't know how a lane is gonna go yeah. and all of this stuff. They just, they just know what is a given with those champs. I mean, they have to basically like, if they're not confident in it and you push for it, it has to go well, or it's like, yeah, you get the wrath of your team and you never get to play it again, you know. But I actually, honestly, in that game, I actually think you guys lose if you don't have Zach. Like, I actually thought your draft was a bit... I don't know. Like, I, me personally, I'm off the, the like, Lucian Nami train now. I, don't, I think people are really overrating that. I actually think you guys lose that game if you don't... In, like, if you literally don't pick that pick, I think you guys lose. Um, I kind of felt the same. That's why I was like... Because I was looking at all the scenarios in my head, and I was like... We really need Zach here. Because we have... We double down on so much fucking scaling on mid and bot that we need something to fix it or like to save it you know yeah. and that's why i was like that's why i was like if i pick aatrox or kill here this does not help our comp at all so i'd rather just flip the zack what but what do you think of uh about like uh, top lane picks that like are like fringe nasus into kill though nasus into kill yeah yeah like nasus like seriously nasus into kill or do you just think it's not an angle your team are just going to be like nah because there's two there's like they would trust me, but the thing is, if I if they're like um, pick Nasus into kill or I don't know, there used to be some I forgot what it was because I had like a kill counter pick that was like really OP. So I'm like, am I gonna flip the counter pick that I played a hundred times and it's great, or am I gonna flip a brand new counter pick that no one has seen before? Thing is, the team is just always gonna want the the stable given that they know is gonna win anyway. So it's like, yeah, just don't just don't do it. But like for example, if that champion is banned and I'm like. If I go there, I'm like, guys, I know this is really weird. It's literally the exact situation, but I'm like, this is really weird, but Nasus is so OP here. And people know how the champion will look like later on, so they will be fine. It's just like, I feel like 
to get these niche picks out, you kind of need to go down the rabbit hole and put people in uncomfortable situations where it's like, yeah, your stable meta picks are just bad here, so flip something out, you know? Yeah. And Kira, do you see anything, I mean, obviously you mentioned Nasus, do you see anything like OP solo shit that you think could just actually be inserted to the meta that people are ignoring? Oh, there was actually one from LPL, I completely forgot, like Sejuani, they have like a like freak shit, like Sejuani top, like prior, like you just don't see, basically, I don't think it's really, be, I don't think it's been played no, in play, it. No, someone played, who played it? Someone played it top recently. Maybe oh, maybe it was an ERL game, actually. Oh. I mean, at least he had Sejuani even last week, I think. Uh, basically, there's nowhere near as much prior as there is in the LPL. Like they're all over that shit. Like they love it. Um, but like, nah, I just think like from like a little bit of research that I've done, that like, if you've not obviously got like Gwen, like GP, and they've been like the top lane pools being like pinched, and like but like Kales went through. I just think that there's like, you know, like, lots of angles for like think bigger. Like there was some guy in LCK that like went for an Azir into GP angle because it was like a supposed like known character counter matchup to like yep. three scale the the Azir because you actually like end up winning the matchup just straight up into GP. So like that's interesting. Well, then he, he got stumped as fuck, didn't he? Yeah yeah he got absolute giga stumped. But um like yeah, then you get into then you get into the situation where everyone's like you had a different pick that you made it work a hundred times and then you decided to just flip the Azir. Why? Yeah, I, I, I understand that. Like, I actually think in top lane right now there is like a pantheon of picks. If like 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 GP Gwen um Kale, like Fiora before like a small nerf. Yeah. Um, these like there isn't actual unless they're being pinched. There isn't actual a big reason to like move away from them because it's like what else do you want champions to do? Like if you want to like scale, what scales better than GP? He literally one shots yeah. backline. Yeah, bot lane. You never want to burn early game TP as top anymore because like you now physically can't do it. But like GP can do it in a way because you can just ult bot lane. Like you done it in a game mode where like your bot lane was losing. They were like a level down. You ulted bot lane and then the two v two killed them. And it's like oh yeah. there we go. Top lane has now just one bot lane. You've won the unwinnable matchup and then now the game like free plays itself. GP's a joke, oh, yeah. actually. The more I think about it, GP's just a fucking joke. Like, yeah, it's like the most disgusting champion early. ever made in the game. Like, you, you have literally, like, think of all the changes that they've done to, like, TP and stuff recently, and you've got a champion who can literally be in bot lane without being there and without losing any CS or anything, like, super early game. Like, that's fucking mental to me. Like, level six to nine or whatever, his ult is just so broken. It's stupid. Like, and jungler has to know as well. It's like, uh, like literally, he's going body season angle. He's going through trial, whatever. And he's like, fuck, GP has ult. That cunt in top lane is just sitting with ult. And he has to rethink. Like, I, it's so... It's so fucking busted, honestly. Um, but anyway, yeah. cool. Enough enough about Zacharino. That champion's had the most airtime he's probably ever going to get. Um, now... Going into the split, obviously, like, the two, and we'll get into these teams uh, slightly later, but the two teams that obviously gave Rogue the most trouble last time, the the other two of the big three, if you like, Fnatic and G2, obviously, they played each other last week as well, and Fnatic just goomba-stomped them, but obviously, it's a BO1, it's regular season, like, it doesn't necessarily mean that much, but of these two teams, Otto, like, who do you feel is the bigger threat right now to win it all. I mean, I don't know. Um, I still feel like G, G2 because even like now, even if they st start dropping games and they're not having like the best showing, I still feel like when you look at G2, all it takes is 
uh, one good patch for for Caps and Yankos, you know, because Caps has been kind of like you know sleeper for I don't know like two splits now maybe, well up until spring, you know. But before spring he was like kind of a sleeper for I don't know a couple of splits, and all of a sudden it's just like oh playmaking patch. Uh, active early game jungler that can do creative paths and just impact the game early and you have two and one and then it's just GG you win LEC, you know, because um, it's just a, a, a god meta or like god patch for someone like uh, Yankos and Caps where they that's what they do the, the best, they just take over games like that early because they're both like very creative with what they do and yeah, the thing is, uh, I mean, undeniably, Caps. I think out of all uh, all of EU players, he always has had the biggest like X factor, where you can never look at him regardless of its form and be like, yeah, he's not gonna be an issue because I feel like he is. And yeah, Fnatic seems a bit more, you know, stable in that sense. They're a bit more traditional uh, in terms of like, you know, how are they gonna win games? They're just gonna have like good mid. Good bot, top is gonna scale, he's gonna do his job well as well. And it's more like traditional while for you know G2 with Caps and Yankos, you're like these two are just gonna run over the game if uh you kinda left them don't leave if you don't keep them in check. So I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe you know it's a fall from grace, but I think it's so early and there's no point to overreact based on like yeah. you know G2 having an O2 week or whatever. Uh split is long, but I do think that a team like G2, because of Yankos and Caps, uh, you need to do a, a bit more prep than for like any other team. So you think if, for example, we were just in like come finals or whatever, if we're in like sort of a jungle like herbivore meta and like you're just playing scaling picks in mid lane or whatever, you'd favor Fnatic in that scenario. I bet if it's more sort of assassins and early game playmaking junglers, then, then you'd favor G2. Is, is that fair? Mmm... I mean, I, I I guess because it depends how like how deep or in like this this meta because if it's something that's like you know can easily be broken from and it's like kind of like rock paper scissor where you kind of can break out of it and counter a specific thing, then yeah maybe G two is still like more annoying, but I don't know because I I don't know how G two operates in like a meta like that as well. It's, it's not like you know what Fnatic is doing with um mid jungle in a different meta would be like so much more different than than g2 it's just like a matter of like how comfort is it for either of these like you know in these different metas and i feel like for g2 it would just be a bit more annoying overall you know even though before playoffs in spring no one well maybe not no one but not a lot of people would look at g2 and be like oh they're gonna suddenly become really good and they're gonna be insane you know everyone was looking at Fnatic as they're the really annoying team that you need to prep against and they're the ones who are gonna do really good you know so i don't know i know it's hard it's, it's hard to predict you know um because it could be like this patch for you know like 10 patches in a row and all of a sudden on playoffs patch something changes and you're like well random team became super good again you know or like yeah. uh, all of a sudden excel could become the most insane team or like misfits or like anyone you know based on like I don't know. Weird stuff is happening every time with uh, with patches and stuff, so it's hard to to assess. But I would say, I don't know. Yeah, I guess G two because uh, we already lost to G two in in that meta. So.
Yeah, and Kira, like, what what are you seeing from these two teams from from uh, G two and Fnatic? Again, obviously it's early, but what do you what do you like about both teams? And and who do you obviously? I'm not asking you to predict like the winner of LEC or whatever, but who do you think is sort of trending in a better direction? I guess. Ah, it's kind of hard to say. But the problem is, is if Fnatic ever get their shit together, the fool of the LEC I feel is just fucked because. I don't think it's going to happen for what it looks like. I, I, that team just looks completely like dysfunctional, and all those like players don't understand how they like want to play with each other. Like I was one of those people that was psyoped into thinking Ravs aren't humanoid was going to be like this insane, like uh, mid jungle combination, and it just looks strictly shitter than humanoid Aloya. It just like looks so much worse, uh, like in terms of, like how they set up the game and stuff. Um. Why do you why do know. you think why do you think that is? Obviously, again, we don't know what the comms are like or whatever. But there was this big thing just to sort of frame this a little bit when the Mad team that won back to back LEC titles was breaking up. Obviously, Kazi left, Humanoid left, and people were sort of debating about where like the god tier late game shot calling was coming from. Right, like when when they hit rogue time, aka you know past twenty minutes when mad seemed to get better like where was that coming from and it seemed to be and seems to be based on some observable evidence that it probably wasn't actually coming from kazi and it seemed like in my opinion cynically that uh yeah that was just sort of people bigging bigging him up to detract from the fact that they were selling a humanoid or whatever but um it did seem to come from humanoid from what i can see just because when he let well again this is this is super primitive but basically Kazi goes to vitality they look like they don't have a fucking clue what they're doing so i'm just guessing that he's probably not some like god tier macro person maybe that's really unfair but that is just a guess humanoid goes to fanatic and they still seem a little bit clueless so was el yoya the x factor all along or like how do you how do you see that again it's speculative of course kind of speculative like Mad had like the best under and like the previous season. Humanoid Kaiser Aloya had the best understanding of like uh, Jungle Quadrant. They actually were able to like abuse teams at like MSI by doing this, like these triple like invades into like Jungle Quadrants, and they would just like gobble up and like eat it all up. They like caught out like it helped the fact that like Humanoid solo killed uh, Showmaker, but like they were like catching out um, Damwon and stuff with like this style of like play and they were like consistently just eating away the enemy team's farm like termites the problem was is i feel like i feel like aloya and um Niske are trying to do that now this split but kaiser like is like completely like out of sync with like that like plan and i feel like humanoid is wanting to do it but razork and hilly aren't like on board with that plan i feel like razork and like hilly are on like completely different pages from like what Humanoid wants to be doing at like times within the game. So I'm not sure. I don't know if it was like a meeting of minds of those like three players together, like all doing it, because it just all looks, they all look like so piecemeal like now. The only like big upside for me with Fnatic this split before I go into G2 is that Wonder is actually performing like personally yes. like a lot better this split yeah like you're actually seeing like a resurgent and like wonders like own form like you had like the Gwen game and i think it was the gragas game that were like they were just absolutely like mega where you're just like stomping people so that's like promising the problem being i actually just it does depend on like where like the meta goes but barring like some like catastrophic change 
I think G I think G two will probably just like coast out like the the rest of the year, basically just predicated on like caps like Yankos like BB with Targamas. And I think right now they're like the, that's like the four best like front runners like for like going on to, like performing in like any set of meta if you understand. Barring if like BB's forced to play into like some like crazy like tank only like meta and he can't go into like carry picks anymore. But even then he's like not the worst worst in the world at it. I actually think my, my money would just be on G two being better going into like playoffs and across the split rather than Fnatic. I think I don't know if it's like coach like I couldn't like comment if it's like coaching staff or if it's just this combination of like players all coming together but they are like one of the like most disjointed like teams i've like ever seen like four people just like flipping at top into five people knowing that's there and upsets farming mid then upset like walks halfway up river then walks all the way back to mid to like start farming again you've got like crazy shit like that it's like the most like basic arbitrary stuff you're counting champions on the screen you should all know collectively you know what I mean? There's five of them, four of us. Is upset coming? Yes, no. Like, are, are the comms all just breaking down that much? It's like, I'm not a part of that team. I don't know anyone from that team. I have I've no idea what um, Yamal's, like, coaching them. But, I don't know. It looks like an absolute fucking mess, to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I would never call for anyone to be directly sort of fired in that sense but i mean that it does seem like you look at that team you're like wow imagine if they had a good coach like legit because the thing is you have in in a vacuum it's like you have the best bot lane i would say i think the consent most people's consensus is upset hilly is like an absolute beast bot lane you now have wonder who's now playing like people said he was playing in spring he spoiler guys he was not that good in spring he was fine he was all right he had some good games but people were mega over hyping how well he was actually playing in spring and like trying to put him in an all pro tip like fuck off he was all right like nothing special at all this split i think he's playing very well and it's playing like a sort of top two top three top laner like absolutely so you've got both sides of the map are looking really strong and you just cannot get it together. And obviously, Humanoid is an absolute top mid laner. Razork as an individual has been an absolute top jungler. And you just can't get the map to work. Like, you just can't get it to work as a team. So, yeah, I do kind of subscribe to the view of, like, if Fnatic ever get their shit together, they just win by default. Like, if these guys have, you know, for, for example, if they were playing like Rogue played for much of last split in terms of being on the same page into how, how to sort of play their sis play an actual system early and consistently that they're all comfortable with i do think they just win by default but as you said i think they've ha had long enough now they played a bunch of best of five series as well and it just seems like it's not working and even in these bo5s uh sorry bo1s i mean there are a couple of games they should have lost right like there was one that got flipped on baron which they should never should have won like all these teams rogue fanatic g2 they all see it's like they all have fraudulent first places right like they're all joint top but they all have massive <laughs> issues and you don't feel like any of them are a de facto number one team. They're all inherently flawed right now. And it's like, which team's going to get their shit together the fastest? And I also understand that on historical precedent saying G2 might be coasting. Obviously, there is historical pre precedence there because they have done that in, in previous splits in the past. I mean, the difference is this year, they're not actually good enough to like full coast. Like, I do think this team has deficiencies as well. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's 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 whoever whoever shows the... Uh, or whoever gets their shit together fastest, I guess, might just win. But speaking of teams 
that actually have sort of joined the fray now. Because, you know, again, in spring, it really was. I mean, going into playoffs, it was basically Will Fnatic or Rogue win. And maybe outside chance G2. And then it turned out G2 just went on a mega run. But it was basically just a three-horse race. Oddo, do you buy into XL or MAD as serious contenders to win? Obviously, I think everyone agrees they're both going to make playoffs. But let's start with XL. Like, how, how legit do you think XL is as a team? Mm. I mean, they're surprising in the sense that even going to like last playoffs, I felt like they were getting their their shit together and they're pretty good. And I felt like even yeah, after I, after they lost against uh, Vitality, if I'm not mistaken, yes, they, yeah, they lost In against playoffs. Vitality. Yeah, I felt like that was the kind of team that you can't really make roster changes because I felt like it was already pretty good and it will get better. And they kind of confirmed that by, you know, their performance so far in, in Summer Split. That also might just be a consequence of, you know, uh, a bootcamp. It might also be one of those things where you're just like, yeah, we're going to start strong with the bootcamp and stuff. But then you have teams like, I don't know, us and G2 that started pretty late. Because I think, for example, Excel has been screaming, you know, like three weeks before we started screaming, yeah. you know. That's true. And they are going to have this early edge that is going to like saturate over time because um when you come with like a, a pretty high level your level is going to get like inherently dragged down by everyone else because it's kind of like t everything tends to go towards like balance you know or like average or whatever so over time their performance might like dip down you know uh that's just what i feel like would be natural but again there are ways, I guess, to conserve it or keep being on that uh, on that high train and keep doing great. And um, when I look at that collective, it does seem quite um, harmonious, I guess, where it does seem like it it is quite easy to get them to be on the same page and everyone do kind of the same thing. There's not like a standout enter that is going to, you know, take everything hostage and do something that like only he feels like doing and stuff like this. So in that regard, I feel like they kind of have the recipe to to stay good and be good uh, for a while. Uh, it's more the question is more now: can they peak more than they have peaked so far? Is their peak gonna get higher? Is the, and even if their peak gets higher, will their peak be higher than other teams when uh, the teams get their shit together and teams catch up to them since they started like earlier with Korean bootcamp? That's what I don't know, but I do. I, I do quite like Excel because um, they've been kind of like an org that doesn't really like, you know, do well. And I feel like they've been taking all the all the good steps and correct steps to kind of like build something. And I feel like they did a good job so far and they're kind of like rewarded right now with the way their team is playing. Um, I think they're first as well, no? They're like 5-2. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, four, or yeah. Four, three. Four, it's four. No, it's four teams, right? That are five two. Is that correct? Only three, I think. Maybe. Uh, no, it's five two five two. Excel Fnatic Rogue are all five two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. I mean, uh, they've been they've been rewarded. You know. Um. I think it's their 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 score is legit. They've been doing really good so far. And yeah. I mean, I think they're gonna keep doing good for the rest of the summer. And I don't know. Come playoffs, I feel like it's gonna be a long time. It's gonna be like two months until playoffs come. So a lot can change in two months. But right now they're looking like a you know, uh, a contender for. I don't know. I wouldn't say like winning everything, but being like top three, top four. They're uh, actually, uh, they're actually the least fraudulent team that's top in terms of their re like representative of their record. Like I'm not saying yeah, that. The... Yeah. 
that's what I feel like as well. Like there are actually outside of like us, G2 and Fnatic, there are like this this group of three, which you add Excel now being fourth, I guess. They're the least fraudulent. Like us, yeah. G2 and Fnatic are like the dirty enters here that uh, you can attribute a lot of, you know, like random stuff happening to why we're like five and two. While for Excel, I feel like they they didn't steal wins they just yes. earned them you know they like grinded it and performed and they got those wins like you know deservedly and as for wait who was it mad yeah mad i feel like mad is like 4-3 i think now but i feel like they're one of those teams that i feel like maybe the result there is there or their like standings is a bit worse than they actually are because yeah. i feel like I kind of felt like when Niski was gonna come in that this team this team would be like revitalized because I feel like Niski is just so good at enabling teams to like you know maybe he's not the star player or he's not gonna have like you know last time performance where he's gonna pick like Azir or Oriana or a Victor or something and he's gonna farm super well and then one v nine a game just from like you know lane prowess and stuff like that. His playstyle is more so like enabling his team and everyone else to do everything they want, you know. So he's gonna, not going to play like stuff that, like for example, Larson plays. He's going to play more stuff that like enables others. And I felt like it was kind of like something that they needed because Humanite kind of had this playstyle with, uh, you know, Elioia to some extent. Uh, where, I mean, maybe Humanite, we would say he's like a mix between Larson and uh, Niski or he's more, like, more complete than Niski. I don't know. Uh, everyone does, has his own playstyle and fits to these teams in like different ways. But I felt like Niski was a bit more of like what human it was and he could enable like teams to or like his team to play better. So I did feel like the moment Niski goes into mad, the team is going to be, you know, a lot, a lot better because I, I think they didn't even make playoffs in Springs. In no, Springs, they, they were kind of like, uh, in a way, wouldn't want to say dumpster fire, but... Uh, they, they were, were bad. They were bad. <laughs> yeah, they were a dumpster fire. Yeah, they were really they were, bad. They were, they, were, they, were, they were looking pretty bad, yeah. So I kind of felt like, you know, Niski was the kind of player that's going to take a team from, like, I don't know, 7th or 8th, whatever it was, and make it, like, you know, top 5 team, maybe top 6. But, um... I don't know. I, I feel like now you're at the point with, or, like, in a... With, with Matt, the question with Matt is that, like, you know, in time, uh, like, Niski, yeah, Niski and Niski are still going to be great, you know? But um, I think question marks are more, like, not from me, or, like... I mean, not from me, because I'm, like, kind of, like, in this looks, so I cannot really, like, question this, you know? But I feel like outside perspective would be, like, is their top NAD, like, strong enough to, like, you know... Uh, when playoffs come that they're going to be like, you know, super solid and they're going to have 1v9 performances and stuff like that. No. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people <laughs> criticize Armut as well for the stuff like this and Unforgiven is new as well, so he didn't have time to like prove to people. But I feel like general consensus would be more towards the negative. So like, yeah, as much as Niski and stuff is going to enable, um, you still need to enable something. But then again, uh, you know, they can just show up super hard and shut everyone up. Uh, for me, I have I kind of low-key have faith in Mad as well to be good, uh, and I think they will be good in uh, or like overall, you know. But I don't know if it's like you know championship winner. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, as you said, I think with XL, like an interesting point as well is that I don't feel like there's any massive egos on that team. Like you don't even really have superstars. I mean, I guess you could say Mickey, but the thing, well, he plays support, so he's not allowed to be cocky anyway. But yeah. outside of that, it's like you've got. Everyone's playing like seven out of ten, right? It's like 
Finn, I don't think he's a great top laner, but I, I'd be lying if I said he. I think he's playing well, like perfectly decently. Markoon, I think he's a good jungler. I don't think he's like the best jungler. I think he plays the early game really well, but I think he has some deficiencies in in the late game. But he's like again like seven out of ten jungler, and then same for mid, uh, maybe eh, maybe a bit less. I don't know, but all the play, I guess Patrick would be like. Yeah, the bot lane would be more standout. Like, if you saw that bot lane on a G2 or Rogue or whatever, like Patrick, yeah. Mickey X, you'd be like, okay, that's an elite bot lane. But, yeah, I think they are, like, silently sort of just working, as you say, like, sort of more harmoniously. And then you've got more volatile systems in sort of Fnatic and, you know, even Rogue and, uh, and G2 and so on. Again, that's not really speaking to the personalities necessarily. But when you have players who are so obviously strong in different areas, like uh, some players that, that are like as extreme as Hillisang, like you're going to have more divisiveness about how to play the game and um, what should happen and what the jungler should be doing. I feel like there will not be any arguments with that kind of thing in a team like uh, XL, partly because of the way mid lane plays. He's not going to be demanding shitloads of jungle attention, generally speaking. Patrick's incredibly softly spoken and very humble, so I don't think he's going to be, like, causing issues in that sense. And I have no fucking clue about Finn, but, again, he plays top lane, so he's going to get abandoned no matter what half the time anyway, right? But, yeah, so, Kira, like, what, what do you think of... Uh, oh, let's start with XL. Like, how how high is their ceiling? Ooh, how high is their ceiling? If they keep playing like this, the... Uh, see, it's hard. See, XL have basically got a massive crutch. They have like the, a couple of things they're like the best at. They're like they have the best like side lane understanding. They have like probably the, they're the best at like setting up like uh, for like dragons and getting like early dragons that are like their actual like uh, the correct like time to do it. You're like not like trading like too much to get like early drakes and start building up that advantage. The problem is, is they're dog shit at team fighting. They're so fucking bad. They're like probably one of the worst teams in the LEC at actually team fighting. Even with all like their like early game leads and stuff, they have got some really, really fucking whack ends that like they do. Yeah. Like there's, I think there's a team fight, I can't remember who it was. It was XL versus G2, I believe, or it might have been Vitality, where uh, Nukeduck TP's top to start split pushing top lane to kill turrets, and the rest of um, XL Gaming invade like the bottom quadrant jungle and take an like annoying 3v5 with Alfari walking down. Like they opt into it. They're like, yeah, this is a good idea, boys. Like time to fight. I, I, that's just fucking madness to me. Um, but like, I, I'm actually the completely opposite thing. I just think this team, it's hard to attribute it just to him again because I don't know what the coaching staff's doing. I don't know what like Nelson's doing and Youngbot's doing. But I think Markoon's for these seven games has been the best player in the LEC by like country miles. Like way beyond it like anyone else just like what he's doing in terms of like jungle yeah like he's got like benefits that his like lanes are doing things like for him for example like patrick mickey x had like a freeze against like a san uh, a senna tam lane somehow and instead of just like holding it like, like broke it and pushed it up so like markun could start getting drakes and then he could then go in and get the enemy's ball quadrant and so you know he then gets to like walk around with the cs lead on his stat card but it was actually like, the bot lane that enabled him to be able to do those things yeah so i i think will he continue to be the best player in the lac if i was to place money on it i'd probably say no i'd probably say the other like great players in the lac like larson humanoid Caps are the better junglers. Jankos will overtake them, but for these like seven games, I, I basically I couldn't ask for my jungler to be doing anything else. The Martin Martin only had one bad game, 
where it was against like Rogue and I can't even know if it was a bad game from him because all he had to do was farm one like jungle quadrant but instead his kill player asked him to walk to the other side of the map so he would remain level 4 and he went down like 5 camps and the kill died anyway so like I, I don't know if that's like the laner telling him to come or if he thinks that's a good decision like I would need to be a fly on the wall but I think he's played like exceptionally. Yeah, I mean his er, his early game abs is absolutely the, the reason why I I maybe don't rate him uh, or his his performances thus far quite as highly, and maybe this is unfair because I feel like a jungler should actually the credit should be weighted more heavily to the early game than anything else. Um, but I I attribute some of their team fighting struggles to certain things Markoon has done as well. I don't think he's been except exceptional in a lot of the the sort of late game scenarios. Um, but again, their their whole t only only really Mickey has uh, I think, and not not every game. Um, but yeah, I mean, just just uh, quickly, are you a, are you a mad believer as well, or what, what's your? Oh, I think anyone, unless like Kaiser, like can like, get like a somewhat like return to form. I think this is team's an absolute razor cake, like the almost one of the like definite like razor cakes of uh, of this um. Of this split because yeah, like any team like like Niski joins, he's gonna he's gonna make it like a lot better. And Aloya and Niski is probably one of the like the best like actual like player fit combos. Like how each person like wants to play is like probably one of the best in like Europe. But the problem is, is I think the other good teams and LEC just tailgate them basically on just top lane alone. I think like Armut's just. Like a like a fucking lane pusher, mate. That's what he does, and I think the bot lanes and PC. So Unforgiven's better, you know, like having a much better like split in bot lane compared to like Spring. He's looking like a lot better. So like, there's maybe a trajectory from split to split, but I would not think this team's jumping into like the top four, or top five. I think mm -hmm. this is going to be like uh, they're basically going to be what XL was, where they like play like vitality in the lower bracket game and because the other team guys are slightly more experienced they just randomly lose yeah i think that'll be their dynasty it's interesting what's happened to kaiser a bit as well he just seemed to be on on path to become like one of the sort of all-time great supports and he's just sort of i'm not saying he's you know playing badly or whatever but yeah they did seem to lose that team synergy when when uh, the other guys left but okay cool it would be a miss for me to not talk a little bit about uh, top lane specifically or other top lanes, I should say, with Otto here. I mean, obviously, Vitality's problems have been talked into the ground, so I don't really want to get too much into that. But I wanted to ask you a bit specifically about Alfari. And one of the reasons I wanted to ask you about Alfari, because I believe you said, or, you know, in interviews and so on, historically that this guy was, like, the hardest guy to lane against. Like, he, he would be, like, the... You know, you can't really breathe. He's constantly trading uh, damage while taking CS and sort of making it very difficult. Now, obviously, people know what I think about Alfari. I basically think he's kind of always been someone who's been unbelievably good in lane, but actually doesn't really know how to play League of Legends outside of lane. But from a top laner's perspective, like, again, I mean, I think he still can lane. I think he's still a good laner. But like, what, 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 do, you, what do you see when you see Alfari? Like, do you see someone who's sort of, still really good but maybe just not uh on the same page as, as his team do you think he's sort of de declined a little bit like what what do you think of what do you think of alfari man i mean i don't know it's 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 a bit weird because i feel like 
for for me like alpha or like alfari's reputation in a nutshell is literally what i think i saw on on reddit or twitter two days ago there was this thread about there was this thread about uh nuguri saying that zeus is like the complete top laner right now and he feels like he's learning things from him and stuff like that and literally i think the most upvoted comment is someone flaming alfari <laughs> completely off topic saying something like if only alfarida had this guy's attitude and stuff and i mean yeah i get it maybe it's true but at the same time i feel like in a way it's gonna be a bit a bit weird but in a way i feel like he's he's in he's a bit of a victim here because he just fell on this bandwagon that it's cool to hate alfari so everyone hates alfari and it's and it's like commonly accepted that alfari is a guy to hate you know he has, had some, just, he has had some fucking bad games, though, like, let, let's I, be real. Yeah, but, okay, the thing is, I am, okay, let's see, come... Uh, oh, and one, like se this. one second as well, just to get you to sort of hate him a little bit as well, because I don't know if you saw this. He also said on a podcast, last split, and this is a combination of, one, you know, Oddo hate, and two, super delusional. He said he that him and Wonder were the best top laners in Europe, and that no one else was worth talking about basically so again completely fucking delusional because he was like it's probably seventh on my list or something at that point but also no no auto love but sorry don't don't let me uh interrupt yeah, you. it might just be like, you know personal hate personal rivalry whatever i don't really i don't really care it's not like he put it's like it's it's like he put me on his list that he, i'm not good but who's to say that i didn't do exactly the same back you know it's just i didn't say it publicly so um my that might also be like rivalry stuff maybe he just doesn't like me whatever you know everyone's like everyone can think whatever he wants but um i don't know might also be ego and maybe that's why community hates him but the thing is i feel like the thing about alfire right now is the community is a bit ir ir irrational because they're just all bandwagoning super hard because for me, it was completely mind-blowing to see a thread that is completely about, not, not directed at him, between Nuguri and Zeus praising each other. And there's some guy in the comments who says, yeah, this guy, Alfari is just so bad, this guy is crazy, and everyone's just upvoting him, like, wow. Because the thing is, when everyone hates him, everyone's always ready to look at the negative, you know, and it's like, oh my god, I, uh, this guy fucked up here, I can't wait to show all my friends. But when you have someone who's maybe like more more like accepted or like the community likes him more, for example, me, no one's really talking about all the mistakes that I've been doing in all of these LEC games. You know, everyone's like, oh, you're playing good and stuff. But the thing is, deep down, I know that I have some, even in the games that everyone says that I'm playing good, I'm making mistakes, you know? And maybe if I was in his shoes where everyone just hated my guts, they would point out those mistakes and I would never like hear the end of it, you know? It's just like, when you're the villain... And I don't know how he ended up being the villain, but when you're the villain, you you literally have no every every time you're doing something bad or the community perceives bad, you're not gonna hear the end of it. But when you're the hero, people always overlook uh, certain mistakes, you know. But yeah, I mean traditionally, uh, it's been like he's a lane god, and outside of lane, he doesn't really do much. And I mean, I would tend to agree in a way, you know, it's not like so black and white that he either does or doesn't uh maybe there are some lapses in in his gameplay uh but he also strikes me as the guy who for him having good csd at 10 minutes or 14 minutes 
shows you exactly how good of a player yeah, you yeah. are you know Definitely. uh that, that that that's kind of like the the vibe he gives me that that's the only thing he puts like accent all off and it's the only metric to gauge how good or bad someone is uh and he's not accounting or like he doesn't seem like he's the person who counts you know like jungle pressure how much he's soaking pressure if he's relieving his team from doing all of these things i i feel like I maybe fell into the community trap where I start to believe that he sees it black and white. Uh, I'm not sure. It's just there's like so much negative attention around him that it might it might have like skewed my opinion as well, you know. But for me, in, in terms of like, does he annoy me a lot when I play against him and I want to last sit because he's doing annoying things to me? Yeah, his lane is annoying, you know. But that's about it outside of that i don't feel like he's doing exceptional stuff but that's also his reputation where he's just good in lane and he's annoying you in lane and he doesn't really care about like junglers and stuff like this because that's the thing i'm like if you gank him will he die maybe it's just people don't gank because yeah. yeah no I, de I definitely agree that i mean again this is all speculative on my side i have no idea what he's like in scrims or whatever but he does strike me as the kind of like well, I won my lane, and then it's like, yeah, bro, but you fucking entered the game on side lane like 20 minutes later. He's like, ah, I was 30 CS up. That guy shouldn't have been allowed back in the game, but you two gave him kills, so not my problem, you know? Like, again, pure speculation. I'm, I'm not insinuating anything else. But in general, like, how do you feel about the top lane this year? Like, do you feel like there are some, some good players? I mean, obviously, you played uh, at worlds like last year as well like do you feel obviously that's a little bit of time ago but do you feel like european top lane pool is decent or how do you feel about it compared to years before or like even the year before i feel like it it, it made a bit of like upgrade because um i mean in a way bb went from like schalke to g2 so and he started playing a lot better so in a way he kind of like he stayed the same, you know, it's the same player in LEC, but his performance, like, went up. And, I don't know, I just feel like the average level of the competition in EU went up, uh, in a way. You know, I mean, Adam, when he was on Fnatic, he had a good split. Uh, then he kind of dipped down on him to BDS, and... I don't know, because I feel like it's easier to compare if you look at, like, who came in new to the league. It was, like, Aggressivo, um, Irrelevant, um... I mean, who else was there? Who? Oh, no, I was just saying Irrelevant. Fucking amazing. Oh. Terrible name. Uh, but it's the like, Chachi I... came back from the dead. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chachi went back. Yeah. And I'm not sure if anyone else came in. No. No, I, I think that's so. it. Because the thing is, I look at these three, and then I look who did they, who did, who replaced, or like who did they replace? They replaced Adam, White Knight, and Hirid. Yes. And the thing is with Hirit that everyone kind of liked Hirit and everyone wanted Hirit to be good, but his performance just took a big dip. So he became not so great. Um, White Knight was, was pretty solid, I think. Um, but then again, maybe Orc felt like he's not going to reach like a higher level or whatever. And Adam was kind of just flipping it on BTS in, in, in that sense where, I don't know. Like, as I said before, like, I think that was Adam's split to prove to everyone that he's great because he doesn't have Fnatic to, like, baby him and uh, he doesn't have, like, the benefit of being on, like, a really good roster that he can do everything he wants, you know, and then it's more on him to kind of show his talents on BDS and he didn't, sadly. Um, 
I don't know. I, I feel like it's a bit too early for me to say if these three are better than the three that they replaced, you know? Um, but compared to last year, I feel like... I, I feel like it, there's just always been like this. Every year, the the talent pool for top gets gets better, you know? Just mm. even if it's the same players, they're just like getting a bit better, you know? But that just might that might just be me lying to myself that it's uh, competition is tougher you know when maybe it's it's not i think top lane's really hard to judge as a role because i feel like there's always players that look really good in the arls but you don't know how good they're going to be like i mean aggressivo and irrelevant were both really good in the arls I mean, <laughs> my, my, my my theory was the same my theory was like Everyone wants top laners to come from ERL. Everyone sees a top laner in ERL that this guy is the next messiah of top lane EU yeah. League of Legends superstar. But no one realized they're just playing against shitters in ERL. Yeah. And it's like you're not playing against the top. The thing is, when you go to an ERL, you, you, okay, so let's say if you're in LEC, you're playing against the top 10 best top laners in LEC. But when you go to ERL, due to the fact that there's like eight of them let's say eight or like okay five let's say five big ERLs there's like 10 teams you're not playing against the top 10 you're playing against like the top 50 top 100 well the 10 from LEC you're playing against the top 60 top 100 top 110 everything is just so much more saturated that when you have let's say LEC or like top laner ranked 11th in the league versus top laner ranked 110th in the league of course it's gonna be a shit stomp and then your stats are gonna get inflated and everyone's gonna be like Oh my god, this guy just stomping everyone in the ERL. But the thing is, he, there, it just might be a bad region where, like, he's the only good top player in that region of ERL, and everyone else is literally bottom of the bottom of the ranking, you know, in terms of, like, individual power rankings. And that's the thing. Everyone wa sees these stats, and everyone was like, yeah, I want this top player to be great. But the problem is that top lane as a role is not a role that wins based off of talent, I feel like. Top lane, whenever I play top lane against the team, I feel like I'm playing against the team, not against the player. When I play top lane against BB, I'm playing against the, uh, I'm playing against G2, because top lane is always the 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 lane that is getting the most like screwed over by everything else that's happening on the map. Bot is winning, top lane gets impacted. Jungle is uh, randomly, someone got a Drake or a tower and you swap, or you're getting impacted. You know, so it's like you don't have a lot of time in those 14 minutes of lane that you can like skill check someone, and that's the thing when. You, when you come as a rookie, I think, into LEC and you play against someone that's like been there for a while, like me or Wander, maybe these, maybe these guys are more talented than us or whatever, but they just don't have all of this experience to realize all of the situations that are going to happen before they happen. They're just going to randomly wake up in a brand new situation that they never had before, while we had it for like hundreds of times. So for us, it's just really chill, you know? So I feel like most of the top laners that are coming into the lead, they're just getting, it's not like skill gap, they're just getting experience gap. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like it's the most hard role to become a master at just because you just need a fuck ton of time to become good at this role. Yeah. No, it's interesting because, again, like, there have been so many ERL, like, god tops that have sort of recycled through and gone back. I mean, look at Segenda, SLT. Now we've got Irrelevant and Aggressivo. In my opinion, neither are playing, like, super great. I mean, I'm not definitely not. Uh, condemning them at this point but you it's not like oh my god look at what aggressivo is doing it's like eh, no not really and then you look at you know oscar in and and the thing is it's like in the i i look at cabochard as like a gatekeeper almost in the erls it's yeah. like i have no yeah. idea i just feel like this guy represents a default 
LEC level top laner, not like yeah. one of the best, but a default one, and no one can fucking touch him. It's like that's what real yeah. LEC is. And every time yeah. you get one of these god tops who has to go against uh, SK in a, 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 a K Corp in a real best of series. Then guess what? Cabochard just shits all over them. And it's not like Cabochard is some unbelievable god tier top three in, in Europe player. I just feel like he's the gatekeeper. He's the guy that's skill checked. Like, oh, you want to play LEC? Skill checked. Skill checked. Yeah. And then that, we're just that, recycling that, for all these guys. That's exactly how I feel like it is because I don't know when he left LEC. Oh man, he actually left LEC like three years ago or four years ago. I think it's been a while. He wasn't like bad you know he was like maybe top six whatever i don't know it's just like oh it was one of those circumstances where the org just got bored and then uh everything everyone was contracted so he got unlucky so he just got signed to like erl i mean I, that's what i assume happened because i don't think it was like that bad to like yeah, that's leave exactly LEC. What happened. but the thing is, this guy left lc with all this like package of experience that this guy was at points the best top laner in lc top three top laner in lc for like four or five years or so and of course when you go to an erl you're just gonna clap kids because it's it's kind of the same as what happened to to me in Cloud9 or HTK when we tried to go into LEC. We were like, oh, Copenhagen Wolves was 216 in LEC or whatever. They're bad as shit. HTK, you guys are 95% win rate in all amateur tournaments. Yeah, get clapped 3-0 real fast. And I feel like that's literally what happens when you take an LEC team or an LEC player and you put them to play in an ERL. He's just clapping kids. Yeah. I mean, obviously... Uh... Kira, we've gone on a wonderful little tangent here, but what, what do you think about the the EU top pool at the moment? And in particular, like, what do you think's happened to Alfari? Or do you do you feel like he was always oh. like this, or do you feel like he has actually taken a step back? So I'll take it. I think I think historically EU's top pool has been fucking dog shit, and then right now there's like three good top laners and Finn. There's like Odo, Wonder, and Broken Blade. Broken Blade, yeah. Those three are human, and then there's Finn, and then there's everyone else. Uh, Finn's only good because Finn like will not actually sit underneath the turret and eat the shit dive and feed all the gold away in the plate. The man actually has got like some sort of like superhuman ability to walk away from the tur the turret. I know it's not like that big a deal, but that the whole idea that, that guy actually does just walk away and doesn't fucking eat the dive lalonke is amazing. It does so much for like XL and uh, so much for like a lot of the picks that he's on that it kind of kind of under be understated. And I think the rest of the top laners aren't. You could like shuffle their names about, and I wouldn't actually really know that much in between them. Um, apart from SK Gaming's guy that was supposed to be a good, but he's a fucking meme. Jenna, Gen tried to name change. Yeah, yeah, fucking, you can't escape your fate, mate. Your shit. Um, then Alfari. The problem is, is actually I was actually playing cover for Alfari for a long time, and I, I would like to take any LEC top laner and make them play an NA with. Uh, their jungler being Santorin and their ADC being tactical and see how that one games because imagine your jungler just like roams Tomp and then like stares at your like turret dive and then but literally just stares and stares at the turret dive and then like walks away and doesn't like execute on it and then he does that for like a two regular season splits and playoffs and then like you're being like blamed for like having the turret like a massive wave under his turret and like not diving so maybe it was Odo's fault and he didn't want to like rest but you know Santorin's still doing the same shit so he must have like picked up something from Alfari so I said Odo there I meant Alfari um I don't know in spring I think Alfari was still very very good in spring his team fighting was a little bit like dicey and I feel like he had like a I think one thing that actually does live up to the rep is like when he He's got like an awful habit of like grouping with his team at like the most inappropriate times 
and like fighting like such and like fighting. I feel like and, like, he almost, doesn't understand uh, when he's meant to be on side or not. I feel like he yeah, just but, randomly groups when it makes no sense and there's like a perfect wave state like on one lane and he can't identify it. Again, I don't know what the comms are, but I feel like this is just a repeated pattern that's getting worse. But I actually in spring I don't think it was like that like that bad. But now like Alfari is just living in hell again. Now he has Haru and he has um What's his name? He's ADC called again. Fuck, Cardi. Oh, he now has Haru and Cardi, so he's just reliving fucking NA all over again, where he's like ADC, mate, just randomly lose the game, and his top, top uh, his jungler likes to have a little bit of farm. I, I don't know. I also think Alphire's just not being as good. Like, I, I don't know if it was against Duo, though, but it was against someone, where he was on, like, Gwen into... No, it wasn't against you. It was, like, Gwen into Nard. Ah, uh, no, it, it was in, like, Gwen into Nard, and he, like, chased the person into River. And just like died, like just like ch chasing on to river is like Gwen, and just like threw like the entire mo top side of the map, and it's like the weirdest fucking play ever. And in no situation is it like ever good to like do that and like not take the plates and or just kill the next game wave. It's like I'd, so I don't know what's going on because this guy's played thousands of games. I don't know what where where's decision making for that's like coming from. I didn't think he used to live up to that rep, but this split it's kind of like infected, and I think that narrative is. Like somehow it's actually kind of living up to the narrative, and it's actually like taking over, and it is just becoming true. Yeah. It's like it is no longer a narrative; it is now actually seceding reality. See, I have two like uh, self-fulfilling uh, narratives, if you like, that I had last season. I'll I'll be honest; like last split, I was kind of nitpicking him a bit, or like every time he like fucked up on side, or whatever, it's like see, see, see. And like kind of pushing that because I've always felt he was a little bit overrated because I did think he was worse out of out of lane than he was in lane. But I probably oversold it a little bit, but I stuck with it. And he is literally just falling fully into that mold now. Like every game I watch, I'm like, what the fuck? He's done it again. Like, what is this guy doing? And the other one is Kazi. Again, I think I went a bit overboard maybe in terms of how overrated I was. I was like... You know, nah, it, it was, can't, you can't overrate Carnival. Like, that guy's fucking dog shit, mate. That guy so does some bad. fucking boot. That guy pulls off some absolute grade A bullshit, said, by the way, when I watch him play. When they won the LEC, I, and bearing in mind people like Hybrid and Emperor, or whatever, but also at Kickest Top Lane have also won LEC, right? I said, this guy is the most boosted player that's ever won LEC. And maybe at the time that was slightly harsh, but now he's fucking lived up to it, mate. Like, this guy no, is Flax so won. bad at League of Legends. He is so bad. See, I would put, I would take Flacked over Kazi, personally. And, and you're fucking mental. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I would I, I would think... take I would take him over Kazi. I think Kazi... Don't get me wrong. Like, neither of them are in, you know, my top anything uh, ADCs. But I think Kazi is fucking bad at League of Legends. I think maybe... Maybe Targamas is a bit better at masking uh, uh, Flax deficiencies than Labrov is. But I'll also, and again, I'm conflicted. I mean, whatever, I represent Labrov. So obviously I'll sort of, you know, give him a, a nice narrative no matter what. But I'm so bored of people talking about Labrov like being an interim vitality. This guy is trying so hard to make up for how shit his AD carries. It's unbelievable. And I feel like he's actually playing pretty well, like, map movement-wise early. Like, I feel like he has a decent understanding of what he's meant to be doing. His AD carries to re... I shouldn't say that word. Just an idiot. So, yeah. Um, anyway... Well, the good thing about Karzai is he actually does have, like, an, uh, like, a playoff buff, like, somehow. Like, that, that guy true. actually does... That guy does actually have, like, a gear that, like... If you watch Karzai in, like, spring with Vitality, and then the Karzai that showed up in that um, lower bracket game against 
um, XL with the one that went to five games. Yeah. He was absolute monster, giga yeah, fucking like Patrick. Like, like he turned to a level that like he, he has. A, and another like one is like um when they were playing against like you, Odo in like playoffs when you were like meeting him that like he does have like a gear that he can like turn on those like serious mode, but. I'm, I'm fucked. I wouldn't have him on my team. No fucking chance. He, the thing is, I, I'm not sure if it's a gear or he's fearless. And the thing is, like when the stakes get higher, I brainless too. Play, well, yeah. Uh, well, he's still that's the thing. Even in those series, he was still getting caught a bunch. But he had like some pop off games where he was just hyper carrying. But I think he just says fuck it, like in playoffs. And some players play a bit more conservatively. And sometimes that's a bad mix if someone's really willing to like take the advantage to you and you're kind of playing defensive like i think he was abusing people and i think both patrick and um was it comp at the time or hat no hands whatever um yeah I, I feel like maybe they just sort of was in playoff feel out phase and he just abused them but anyway regardless we are overtime here so sorry about that but let's call it there guys thanks so much for coming on and see you next time